look at this. You are asking help from whom? From the one who has all strength. From the one who has all knowledge, who has all power. So not asking help from God is a foolish decision. Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Savvy Sit Down. I am your host Jed Frias and our Bible thought of today is taken from John 15 verse 5 and it reads, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. That is one of the favorite Bible verses of our guest for today, Jem Castor. Jem is a prayer coordinator for ASAP Ministry. Overall, he is a traveling missionary. Uh, he is a prayer team member of the General Conference. And overall, he is really big on prayer ministry. Hi, Jem. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about your um, religious background growing up. Oh, so I grew, I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home. I'm a third generation Seventh-day Adventist. My parents are quite involved in the church. So uh, I could associate myself with, uh, with people who are called like cerebral Christianity or... Uh, I grew up in a place where it's kind of the truth, the truth is being shoved down your throat. <laughs> My mom is quite strict and I have been involved in the church quite actively, not because that I really wanted to, but somehow I have to. So growing up in a, in a Seventh-day Adventist church was not really the thing that I really desire. And uh, I just kind of, what do you call this? Forced to love it. So when did this forced love turn into a real conversion? Mm. Actually, uh, I've been going through the motions like for years. And then, uh, and it's sad because I was a, a youth leader. I was a, a conference youth leader at one point. And we were organizing youth conferences. And there is one speaker who spoke and I was really moved by him because he was talking about wonderful experiences in his life, like powerful experiences, extreme faith experiences. And then it somehow spoke to myself like, wow, I want that kind of life. Why I don't have that. And in the end, he gave this appeal. If you want to experience God in your life, you have to give all. You have to make a choice whether you are in God's side or you are on the world side. There's no middle ground. If you want to be on the Lord's side, you have to leave everything. You have to shun the world and follow God. And I was somehow like torn because I'm thinking, I want to explore the world. I want to explore myself with what the world can do in my life. And I was so addicted with entertainment. I was addicted with movies. <laughs> I had like 1,500 1, DVD collection. So I was thinking, okay, I know that this, this is one thing that has been stopping me from giving my all to the Lord. So I was contemplating on, on my decision. The Lord just gave me 
this prompting. Just go. I will take care of you. So I was moving forward and I was crying. I was crying because I have not watched like 300 of those DVDs that I have bought. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, what will happen with a life without this? And I did not realize that that was stopping me from really experiencing God, from really experiencing the life that God wanted me to live. Right there and then, the moment I made a choice, the moment I made a sacrifice, that's when my conversion began. It will always take a sacrifice. And, and right now, looking back, I'm just going to conclude in that part, looking back, it was not a sacrifice. Because sacrifice is giving up something of a higher value to something which is a lower value. But what I have given up was too little compared to what the Lord has given me. It was not a sacrifice. It was an upgrade. I really like the way that you put that. <laughs> Praise God. Sometimes we think um, serving the Lord is a sacrifice, mm -hmm. even though it's definitely not mm -hmm. the exact opposite. He's truly the one who sacrificed for us. Amen. So what happened after that conversion? Did you immediately just take off and become a traveling missionary? Oh, no, not yet. <laughs> Actually, that, the funny thing is, I didn't want to be a missionary at first because all the while I thought that being a missionary is being deprived of something. Because when, when I hear people talk about missions, all the, while, all the things that I can hear from them is like the sacrifice, the pain, the things that they're going through. So for me, like when I hear that, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> I'm a selfish kid. I think I, I still have that little selfishness in me. So I was talking to myself, oh no, 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 I don't want that. I want I want to be rich. I want to, to be this, to be that. But then when the Lord called me to be a missionary, oh man, it's the exact opposite of what I was. I was thinking before. God showed me things that I could never even think or imagine. Actually, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 3 verse 20. Which says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the, to the power that worketh in us. So sometimes we put God in a box, and that's a small box. And we do not really fully comprehend how powerful our God is, how generous our God is, how faithful or how amazing our God is. So, uh, going back to your question, I'm sorry. <laughs> I decided to be a missionary 11 years before the Lord really called me to be a full-time missionary. Because at first I was thinking, wow, if I'll be a missionary, I'll be a huge blessing in the ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even thinking that, oh, yeah, the Lord would be so blessed to have me on His side. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, I have a lot of things to unlearn and I have a lot of things to learn. So the Lord really put me in a spot where he could direct my life. He put me in a spot that I will not depend on me, that I have to depend on him. The Lord gave me a humbling experience. And that's why that brings me to that beautiful verse that you read a while ago, especially the last line, for without me, he can do nothing. Mm -hmm. So when I gave up those things, those things that uh, have hindered me from coming close to the Lord, the Lord somehow convicted me to have a new addiction, and that is spending time with Him, spending time in prayer, and spending time in the Bible study. And this is one thing, Fitz, that's so amazing because before I was not even, I was not even 
realizing that Bible study is interesting. That Bible study is, is invigorating. Because when we talk about Bible study before, it's just like, oh, that's boring. <laughs> that, that, that makes me sleep when people tell me, when my mom tells me, hey, read the spirit of prophecy. Read the desire of ages. My desire to sleep came over me. <laughs> but then when I took out those things that hindered me from, from having a close walk with God, it's like the whole wall was broken. It was, it's the wall between me and God. And now when I read the Bible and I read the spirit of prophecy, it's just like it comes alive. So that was the beginning of my interest to have a personal walk with God. How do we get that excitement in others to have that kind of Bible study? I guess the same from my experience. There's just a lot of things that's taking away our interest from the Lord. We have to ask God. Like the Lord has to reveal to us what are the things that separates us from Him. Because He could not date two women. Mm -hmm. It's either you have to, to choose one or the other. You could not have, have an adulterous relationship and, and enjoy without consequences. So this is one thing I see with God as well. If we want to have a full experience with God, then we have to make a choice. And making a choice always involves a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice one or the other. And the moment, the moment you choose Him, when there's no hindrance, when there's no blockage between you and God, and that's when you'll be able to, to see the things that God wants you to see. Sometimes we want to have a relationship with God, but still holding on to something else. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It will not be an enjoyable time with the Lord. That makes a lot of sense. Praise God. I mean, you are a traveling missionary. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a vague term because some mm -hmm. people might think that means that you go to Africa and you build huts. <laughs> so um, for you personally, what does it mean to be a traveling missionary? It's funny when you ask that because before I was really wanting to travel, I was one of my favorite shows on TV is the travel magazine. Hmm. So when I see people week after week go some place to place, beautiful places, I'm thinking, wow, that's awesome. I want to do that. Then growing up, I realized traveling is expensive. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're coming from a third world. So make long story short, I have been working from the moment I, I know what work is. Meaning, I've been earning money at the age of six. <laughs> I was a businessman at the age of six, even at the time that I didn't know accounting yet. <laughs> and, and I've been working for like 30 plus years. No, until 30, 30 something. And the only place that I was able to visit was, was a country two hours away from our place. And that's the only thing I could afford on a promo ticket. And I'm thinking, this is impossible. And when the Lord called me to be a missionary, the Lord brings me to one country after another almost every month. And when I'm in the U.S., the Lord brings me to one state after another almost every week. And what I do is I lead out a prayer ministry. I lead out a week of prayer prayer revival, I speak in churches. So that's, that's the kind of work that I was doing. And that did not happen until I gave my all to the Lord. And the Lord lead, lead in every path that I take. So when, when people ask me, like, what's the theme of my life? 
there's only one thing that I could remember, that I could think about, and that is absolute reliance. Absolute reliance on the Lord. Because I've seen Him leading step by step. And seeing what He can do, that on my own, 30 plus years, I could only afford to get a promo ticket to fly out of our country. But when the Lord somehow showed me what He can do in my life, it blew my mind. That's one thing that uh, that I could say, that God can do more. So through this traveling, that is going from place to place, I've seen the Lord's miracles unfold before my very eyes, and I could see the Lord's faithfulness being played out in my life. So over the past 30 years, you haven't had a source of income? No. Correction. I decided to be a missionary nine years ago. Okay. So I did not have a source of income for that time, for the past nine years. Before I had a business, I had a studio. And at one point, I was working three jobs. Mm -hmm. So I'm a workaholic. Mm -hmm. Earning an income is a comfort zone for me. I'm really comfortable with business. The Lord took me out of that. He wanted me to depend fully on Him and to show me that He could provide for me more than I could provide for myself. How has the Lord been providing for you? Like, how have you been able to afford all of these traveling expenses? <laughs> Let's go back to what inspired me. What inspired me was, was this testimony of one pastor. He talked about George Mueller. I don't know if you're familiar with George Mueller. George Mueller lived in a time where almost nobody believed that there is a God who hears and answers prayer. So there's a lot of skeptics, atheists around him, agnostic. So he decided to live a life to prove to people that there is a God who hears and answers prayer. So every time he needed something, he will bend his knees. He will not tell people about his need. And by the way, he has an orphanage. Just imagine, he decided not to receive a salary. He decided not to receive a regular stipend. He even decided not to do solicitation or donation campaign. He only depended on God. And when the answer comes, he'll know for a fact that the answer came from God. Every time he needed something, the Lord just provided. And every time he received something, he puts it down in his journal. When he passed away, they had a tally of every answer to his prayer. And it, it amounted to $7,250,000. Wow. Yes, that's the first word that I said, whoa. <laughs> and it's a bigger wow, Chris, because when I found out about the date, it happened in the 1800s. So it, when you convert that money from that time to our time, it will cost more than $200 million U.S. dollars. And that's how... The Lord answers prayer. And then I realize this is what happens when you take God seriously. That's how the Lord provided for, for George Mueller. And I said to him, Okay, Lord, if you want me to be a missionary, then I'll try. I'll see if you are still the same God, the God of George Mueller. Because the Lord is somehow challenging us to test him, to try him. Remember in, in the book of Malachi, Malachi 3 verse 10, that's talking about tithes. There's these two words that jumps at me there. It says, prove me. It says, prove me when? Now. So I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to go to be a missionary, then I'll not receive any salary. I'll not receive any stipend. I'll depend fully upon you. And every time I needed, I needed something. I bend my knees, call upon God. And if you want me to go from this place to that place, then you have to provide. It's your way, not my way. And people will call me up. They will say, Jem, are you going somewhere? And I said, yes, how did you know? Sometimes it's quite creepy, you did not tell anyone. And people will call you up. 
And then this person will say, I was asleep last night, fast asleep, and I was awakened. I know the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and I could not go back to bed until I resolved to give you a call the next morning. So where are you going? And I tell them, to this place, to that place, and I said, consider your tickets bought. That didn't just happen once, but it happened every single trip, almost every single trip for the past nine years. That's amazing. He is amazing. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no other way around it. There's mm -hmm. no other explanation. That's amazing. When you say God leads you and mm. God speaks to you, for um, people who have never really heard God speak mm. to them, how would you explain to them what that's like? How do you know God is telling you something? Mm. Okay. So, first of all, like when we talk about prayer, Communication should be two-way, isn't it? It will not be communication if it's only one way. And this is one beautiful thing that the Lord has given us, a beautiful privilege of prayer, and that's us talking to God. And that's why God gave us the Bible. The Bible is called what? His Word. So we talk to God, and by reading His Word, there's a time that He could talk to us. And the Bible as well is a revelation of the Lord's character. If you want to get to know God, you have to get to know his character. You have to read his bio. You have to read his background. And that is where we get to know him. For example, if you have a best friend, if you're a good friend, how did you become good friends? By what? Interactions. Interactions. Communication. Communication. Spending time. Mm -hmm. And you did not become just best friends by texting. <laughs> and even long-distance friends spend or invest spending time. And this is so true with God. Most of the time, we don't get to hear the Lord's opinion. or We don't get to know the Lord's leading is because we don't spend time with Him. So we don't know how the Lord will react in this situation. How the Lord sees this situation is because we don't know Him. By knowing God, we will know His will. We will know His preference. We will know His leading by getting to know Him. And, and like your friend, for example, if you have... If you and your friend is, is going around and there is a situation that happened, all you need to do is like look at your friend and then you somehow almost instantaneously you get to see and you know what your friend is thinking, what your friend's opinion on the matter. Why? Because you are this close to your friend. Same is true with God. If we have that, that real walk with God, that real experience with the Lord, that close connection with God, then we'll get to know His leading. Because He He promised, Psalms 32 verse 8, He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I'll guide you with mine eye. Just imagine that. Those are beautiful promises. I will instruct. I will teach. I will guide. So it means to say that the Lord has this desire to guide, to teach, and to communicate with us. But most of the time, we don't listen. And there's another beautiful verse in Matthew. It says, My sheep will hear my voice, and they will follow me. Have you ever heard God speak audibly to you? Audibly? Not really. But when you read His Word, when you're seeking for something, it almost like jumps out at you. I don't know if you had that experience. 
you're reading something from the Bible, and that word is just like ringing so soundly because I believe that God has a different way to communicate with each one of us. He knows our this finite being, our our entire being, and He knows what could get our attention. I believe that He communicates with us differently, but His source, His best source of communication is His Word. I know for some of my listeners, when you speak about prayer ministry, or when people speak about prayer ministry, they kind of think of it as, oh, spending hours Mm -hmm. bored in a room (laughs) talking, and then how do we get to that point where um, we really have a passion for prayer, Mm -hmm. really able to focus on our communication with God? Mm. You know what, it's funny because that was how I perceived prayer before. Every time people ask me to, to spend time in prayer, I'll, I'm just like, no, <laughs> I'm busy. I'm going around, I'm going around making excuses because for me, prayer was not really important. It's, uh, and I guess it's my personality too. I was, uh, I still am, I guess, an energizer bunny. I'm a self-diagnosed ADHD. (laughs) So I could not stay in one place. For me, staying in one place and spending time with the Lord is a torture. But then I I saw the evidences of what prayer can do. I saw that prayer could accomplish more than anything in this world. And when you realize, like that verse says, for without me can do nothing. When you realize that, you'll see your need of prayer. Most of the time, we don't appreciate prayer because we don't see the real need. We don't know the power of prayer. And the moment you get to see that, the moment you get to see the vitality of that, of that beautiful gift of prayer, then you begin to appreciate it. Growing up, we're told to pray we should fold our hands, Mm -hmm. bow our heads, um, kneel down. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that there is a proper way to pray? I guess those things that we argue the most, like the way of praying, the gesture for praying, for me, the moment you you get to see the powerful God that you pray to, you cannot but humble yourself before Him. And kneeling down, for me, will just be a natural act. Because you know for a fact that you are... You are in the presence of the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, the most powerful being in this universe. You are talking to the one who created you. You are talking to the one who sent his son to die on the cross for you. That whatever you do, you could not pay back the love that he has placed before you. How can you not kneel? How can you not bow down? So in the presence of God, we could never be proud. We could never command God what to do. So I guess the proper gesture is really humbling yourself, not just physically, but spiritually, with a heart bowed before God. Because He deserves it. He is God. And you are but dust. Mm -hmm. And you have to place yourself in a position where where you're supposed to be, bowing down before Him. And, And for me, one of the ways for us to really see who God is, is by bowing down. Because the moment you go down, you see how big he is. I heard you mention earlier today that 
it's much more common to see women in mm-hmm. the prayer ministry yeah. than men. Why do you think that's the case? And as men, what can we do to unlearn the things that we've learned? Mm. Thank you for asking that. Because most, most of the mentality of men is that we have to be strong. We have to be independent. We have to know where we're going. And you see, a lot of men are getting lost in the groceries because we don't even ask. We just want to go and pursue and spend countless minutes going around to find the sugar. (laughs) Because we don't want to appear foolish by asking. But this is the thing. We're even a fool for spending 30 minutes to look for something where you could just ask the sales lady, hey, where's the sugar? Same is true with, with prayer. Because we think that we can do things on our own. And to admit that we need something is like an admission of weakness for men. But you know what? The true strength is to know that you are weak and that you need help. You don't need to get lost. (laughs) Look at this. You are asking help from whom? From the one who has all strength. From the one who has all knowledge, who has all power. So not asking help from God is a foolish decision. That's the biggest weakness that we could ever think about. So, so for me, that's, that's where we are trapped. Men, women, especially men, because we want to prove that we are macho, that we could fend for ourselves. But in reality, we have to believe what the Bible says, for without me you can do nothing. The most famous prayer in the world is obviously the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. What makes that prayer so powerful? Mm. First of all, it was prayed by Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it was it was given us as a pattern. And even when you when you look at it, it teaches us to to praise the Lord first. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Most of the time when we come to the Lord, we even skip that. We just like Lord, I want this. Lord, I need that. Lord, you have not answered my prayer yet. We come to the Lord with our shopping list, with our laundry list, but we do do not come to Him with thanksgiving, with praise. And uh, seldom do we praise God. Seldom do we thank Him. And uh, and in that prayer as well, it, it teaches us that there should be nothing between us and God, nothing between us and our neighbor. It focuses about forgiveness as well, asking forgiveness. And that prayer is just teaching us to be right with God. Mm-hmm. And then we ask. So that's, that's a very simple, simple pattern that the Lord has given us. And yet we do not follow. Mm-hmm. Speaking to you right now, you seem very confident in your answer. You seem... You seem perfect, and I know that that's oh. not the case. Oh, no. uh, definitely not. So, can you please share with the audience some? What are some of the struggles that you have as a Christian? Oh, struggles! I have lots of that, <laughs> especially when we are still living in this in the sinful world. We'll always face struggles, even in prayer. Even in prayer, one of the struggles that I have in prayer, and I think this is one of the struggles as well that a lot of people are telling me. Brother Jem, I get so distracted when I pray. I tell them, me too. And those distractions, those struggles will 
only emphasize our need of God. Those struggles will only emphasize that without Him, you can do nothing. So those struggles should bring you in desperation before God. And desperation is good with God. Because you know what? When you are not desperate, you don't desperately pray. When you don't, you're not desperate, your prayers are not quite sincere most of the time. When you don't have that need, you don't have that, that inkling to call upon Him. So for me, the struggles will always be there. Whatever struggles that we have should push us to need God even more. The enemy will, will use that as, as somehow as a stumbling block, as a bait for us. But what he meant for evil could be turned for good. When those things would draw us running towards the Lord. Very well said. We should take our weaknesses and use them to point towards Jesus. Amen. Because in our weakness, he is our greatest strength. In our weakness, our weakness somehow emphasizes our need of him. Is there a um, Christian or Adventist belief right now that you struggle with or previously struggled with? One thing that I could talk about was the Sabbath. Mm. I know growing up, remember, I have a strict mom. They call her Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I love my mom. And I know God gave me a Hitler mom because that's the only type of mom that that could Keep me on the straight and narrow path. Yeah. So every Sabbath before, I was just like, oh, I couldn't wait this, this day to end. I did not actually really enjoy the blessing of the Sabbath. Later on, I found out why. It's because I, I love this beautiful verse in, in Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. It says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure in my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, Honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And then I, I realized that I was spending Sabbath in my own way, not God's way. I was speaking my own words, doing my own thing, and following my own ways. And then I realized that I have not really read the Bible. I have not re- read the instruction manual. So that's why I was not enjoying it. And then it says that, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I looked up the word delight. What does that mean? Delight means, and by the way, if I ask you a question, which one do you think is is higher? Happiness or joy? People say joy. Joy, isn't it? Because happiness is, they said, happiness is affected by factors around it. Joy is an inward thing. This is granted from heaven. So, the question right now, where, which one is higher, delight or joy? Joy? All the while I thought it was joy too, but it was delight. The definition of delight, permanent pleasure, more permanent pleasure than joy. Just imagine it, more permanent pleasure than joy. And that was the experience that God is promising to give us on the Sabbath. And I was not experiencing that because my view of Sabbath was so selfish things that I want to do, things that will make me happy. But it's not about what the Lord requires. What God requires, I learned later on, are the things that will make you happy, are the things that will make you delightful. And that is what the Lord wanted me to experience, the delight on the Sabbath. And I wanted to to be happy, but God desires 
even higher. Okay, I hope I'm not exposing you, but you are. Oh, a, I'm a, already exposed. You are a single <laughs> man. So in, I roll my sleeves up, bro. <laughs> in a lot of ways, um, your ministry parallels that of Paul. Paul mm-hmm. was single. Paul chose singleness. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe that God is calling you to be single? Right now, I guess he is. Before, I was not planning to be single. I have a timeline. Age 25, I'll put up my own business. Age 30, I'll earn my first million. Age 35, I'll be settled down. Of course, I'm not settled down. <laughs> and then I realize Fritz, that uh, my desire is nothing in comparison to what the Lord's desire for me. Because comparing now to the time that I had a relationship, this is way better. I was happy then, but this is this is delight. <laughs> and and if the Lord choose for me to be single, I'll gladly do it. Because look at this. Most of us associate or our definition of, of happiness is to end up with someone. Is to find the right person. Is to find the right girl. Is to find the right man. If that is the destination of happiness, why are there so many divorces? If just settling with someone is the definition or, or the ultimate goal of happiness, then why are there so many divorces? And then I realized the reality, no man could ever satisfy a woman. No woman could ever satisfy a man. Only a woman that is satisfied with God could satisfy a man that is satisfied with God. And what God could do is more than a woman or a man can do. Satisfaction that the Lord can give us is more than anything in this world could offer. So if the Lord calls me to the singleness, as long as He is with me, I'm more than satisfied. And you know, it's one thing right now when people ask me, so Jem, do you plan to find a partner? And I said, I stopped planning for myself. I saw what, what my planning can do to me is not really that productive. I planned for myself for the plus, for the plus 30 plus years. <laughs> and I didn't like it. But what the Lord is doing right now in my life is something that's like mind-blowing. I don't want to let, this, to let this go. So I don't want to make any foolish decision that would throw all these things away. What is your number one hope for the Adventist Christian world? For the Adventist Christian world is revival. Revival. That's my innermost desire because that's, that's the Lord's desire for us. To be alive. To be connected with Him. Because the moment we're revived, just imagine a revived Christian world. Just, just a revived church. That's the happiest church, man. A revived young people will realize that they are the most privileged group of young people, not just in this world, but for the entire history of the world. We are living in a time where we will see Jesus. We're living in the edge of history. What a place. What a generation to live in. And that is, that is my desire. Because we have a wonderful message to tell. We have a wonderful gospel to share. And we will not be able to share that gospel if we do not get to know the man of the gospel. And if we get to know that, just imagine how, how delightful, how joyful our life would be. As we wrap this up, just a few more questions. Uh, 
Are there any good books that you would like to recommend? Good books. First of all, the Bible. <laughs> and then I'll recommend The Spirit of Prophecy. Before I could go to other Christian books, man, we have an inspired writing. I would suggest first, Steps to Christ. And these are the books that I started with. I started with Steps to Christ, and I started with Patriarchs and Prophets, the Conflict of the Ages series. And before, when I listened to this title, Patriarchs and Prophets, that's a very boring book. <laughs> that's like, even old people will be bored by that book. But you know what? This blew my mind because when I let go of the DVDs and the movies that I had, reading the Patriarchs and Prophets was really amazing. It's like watching a movie with subtitle. Not just subtitle, that you have the, the commentary of the director, of the producer, of the writer, and seeing it like, like from, from three dimension or five dimension because you'll see the reality. And then you, you hear the comment, and, and somehow you see the background. It's all rolled into one. So it's amazing. You will see things from heaven's perspective. So Patriarchs and Prophets, Prophets and Kings. And then right after Prophets and Kings was Desire of Ages, my favorite book. Desire of Ages. You know why it's my favorite book? Because it talks about the life of Jesus. It gives you a picture of who Jesus is. And that describes to you the character of Jesus. And the character of Jesus is the character of God. So it somehow gives you a glimpse of how beautiful your Savior is. And that makes you fall in love with Jesus. I could read that book like a hundred times. And every time I read it, there's still something new. There's still something new that surprises you, that smacks you in the face. And somehow makes you see that, oh man, you have a wonderful, beautiful Savior. Do you have any social media plugins for our audience to know what you're up to? Oh, <laughs> social media plugins. If you're in Asia, if you are in the Philippines or around the area, there's going to be a Philippine Youth for Christ. And it's happening on May 26 to May 31, 2020. So you could go to our, to our Facebook page, Philippine Youth for Christ. And you can see all the details there. So that's my social media plugin. <laughs> and is there anyone in particular that you would like to shout out to? Shout out to all the young people. Young people. Oh, guys, we are the most privileged group of people in this world. To be a group of young people who's given a task to finish the world. To finish the work, I mean. Mm -hmm. Not to finish the world. <laughs> to finish the work. This is the most joyful task. Let's not just sit back or stand back. Let's jump in. God is wanting us to experience something that, that angels would, would desire to do. Angels would die to do. But it's given to us. And I remember one of the speakers, one of the talks that I heard, and he said, in heaven, do you think that a lot of people will line up to talk to Matthew, to Mark, Luke, John, Daniel, David. They said, I guess there will be lines lining up to talk to them. But I guess there will be more lines lining up to talk to you. And I was thinking, why? And then he said, because all those people that we mentioned are looking forward to that day 
that you'll be in, seeing the Lord come, seeing the manifestation of the miracles of what the Lord will do or what the Lord has done when we are in a heavenly home. So you see how privileged you are. So young people, one thing that I could share with you or, or leave with you is this, is this line that uh, John Wesley said, anything that we surrender to the Lord Anything that we give fully to the Lord is immediately touched with immortality. So give your hearts to the Lord. Give your lives to the Lord if you want it to last for eternity. Give it all to Him. And uh, I believe it's appropriate. Can I ask that you close this off with a prayer or um, a prayer in general or a prayer for the audience? Sure. Let's pray. Our great God, our dear loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and thank you for every opportunity you have given us to call upon your name. Lord, we praise you and we thank you that even though you are the God of gods, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and yet when we bow our heads and pray, you stop everything and bend down and listen to us. Lord, I pray in a very special way that you please continue to bless this ministry, continue to bless this podcast. Lord, I ask that may, may you draw people closer to you. Especially, Lord, for those of us who are listening, Lord, I ask that whatever trials, whatever obstacles that is in front of us, Lord, please help us to persevere. Help us to call upon your name. And Lord, please open our eyes and help us to see how powerful the God that we're praying to. Dear God, I ask that you please extend your hand and anoint every person who's listening to this, uh, to this blessing right now. May you touch every heart and whatever trials, whatever burdens that they're, that they're carrying on their shoulders, carrying in their heart. Lord, I pray that you please compel them to lay it all at the foot of the cross, knowing, O oh Lord, that you desire to give them joy, to give them delight, and most especially to give them yourself. So Lord, I pray for a special blessing upon each one. I pray, I pray, Lord, for a special anointing of your Holy Spirit. May you be with us, O Lord. May you draw us closer to your heart and give us a chance, O Lord, to get a clearer glimpse of who Jesus is. This, Lord, we pray and we ask in the loving name of your Son, Jesus, in the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kuya Jem, so much for your time. Oh, thank God. Thank you for having me here. It was my pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. <laughs>